Saying low, Apple Music. Hey, what's up? Thanks for joining me for another conversation here on the interview series. We're starting 2023 in great company. Sam Smith. This is not the first time that Sam has shown up on the interview series. Surely not. It's not like I'm scrolling through my previous list of interviews and admiring them or anything, but I, I can remember off the top of my head that we've had at least one conversation with Sam since we launched this podcast. And they are just a beautiful soul that's really it's it's as simple as that when you meet someone for the first time and you recognize that their true essence is enough and then you start to hear the music and it gets a little more complicated and you realize that they have this amazing ability to translate those complex emotions into brilliant pop music while the success comes naturally but what happens when you have that success and the suit doesn't feel right anymore that's really where Sam has been heading ever since the runaway success of their debut album In The Lonely Hour, a timeless modern pop soul classic album that really put their voice out front and we all fell head over heels in love with them. But since then, Sam has been striving for a new identity, looking for ways to present their true self away from who we believe that they are or at worst want them to be. I say all that to say that Sam Smith has arrived at home with an album called Gloria. Less an alter ego, more another side of their identity that's given them the strength and confidence to go ahead and release songs like Unholy and make really ambitious pop records like this. Moving in the most unique and fabulous way, Sam Smith is our guest right here on the interview series. People that I trusted my whole life in my music didn't even want that song on the album. Wow. Everyone was petrified of that song. Was there a reason, do you think, that, can, you, can you come up with one fundamental reason why people were unsure about it? What were they scared of? Me killing the brand, but I, I, kept, I don't understand what, I am the brand, so like whatever I do is, is on brand. I am the brand. That is the statement, that they can be all things, all the time, whether we like it or not. Sam will forever be that brilliant, heartbroken, sensitive singer-songwriter who gave us in the lonely hour. But now, Sam is a free, unfiltered, brilliant, modern pop diva. Sam is Sam, Sam is Gloria, and they know how to make an entrance. It's a joy, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, how are you? Just was saying, I wish there was a drum set on every set. It's nice. Waiting for you artists has been a nightmare. Oh my, my gosh. <laughs> we weren't too bad this time though. No, you're actually great. You're a punctual human being. I am. Well brought up, well rounded. I know. <laughs> Thoughtful, Thank empathetic, you. gifted, talented Sam. Lovely to see you. What's up? Lovely to see you. It's so nice to do this. Yeah, in New York as well. So we should probably set the scene because this isn't actually, even though this is a place of music, this isn't our normal spot. We don't normally come to rehearsal rooms. Not for any other reason except they're quite sacred. Yes. They're places for artists like yourself to come in and fuck up and oh, make mistakes totally. and get it right. Totally. If anything, they're like, they actually are the most daunting places ever at the beginning of my career, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but now I, I, I love rehearsal rooms. I feel like I'm excited to be in them when I'm here. Why was it daunting at the start? Because I fucking up in front of people was exhausting and, yeah. and tiring and scary. And yeah. especially these musicians, like my band, like I'd say, especially my backing singers, actually, they're singers that I've grown up loving in the UK and watching. And they've, they've back and sang and sang with the biggest artists ever. So you literally, when you got to a point when you could, you made the call to the people you always wanted to be oh, on yeah. stage with. Yeah, totally. And singing in front of them was scary as yeah. hell. Still is sometimes, you know. They're incredible singers and musicians, so mm. it's always it's always scary. I love the chemistry you have with them on stage as well. There's a real sense of mutual support and love and friendship, and 
I think we forget when we buy tickets to go to shows that it's real work. And not just that, you're not actually in complete control. Yeah. You can lose your voice at any moment. Yeah, right? yeah, totally. It's happened to you. Yeah, I mean, even now, like, I'm, I've got, we're rehearsing and, like, I've got a cold this week because I came back from Australia. Because the world has a cold this week, by the way. Yeah, everyone's getting ill, aren't they? You can hear it when I talk. You know, I've, I've never mimed yet, even though it's tempting. It would be tempting not sometimes. Once? Never. Not even on, a, like, a TV show or anything like that? No, never. Amazing. But it is tempting, like, now thinking, like, I want to do this for my whole life and sing like this and yeah. if you've got an arena show and you can't get through it it's tempting to like be like should i mind but I, ca I can't i can't i'd rather just have the backing singer sing and i just croak behind them. yeah <laughs> <laughs> you just push one out in front and just stand and join the backing singers for yeah. a while just yeah i um what's amazing is there are kids who are watching this who'll be like mime like what are you talking about mime like singers don't mime like there was a time i think in the late 90s 2000s where if you went on television certainly in the uk that's all you did yeah Totally. It makes you really wonder, like, what role the music played in that at all. Yes, yeah, mad. I mean, now there's tuning, right? Which yeah. is which is a, a little helping hand too. Yeah, but it's it's been used in such a creative way now. Totally. totally. Like, I love, I was, like I watch our kids at home muck around with that, and it's like, oh, it's yeah. it's no longer a crutch to me. It feels like it's an actual tool. Yeah, it's a it's an atmosphere. It's an yeah, atmosphere. It feels like it's an atmosphere. Speaking of which, you've really you've leaned into all of that on this new album. This idea of nothing is sacred anymore. Yes. Yeah, and when you first totally. came out, it's like we like everybody was like, was like Sam is sacred. The songs are sacred, you know. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, album yeah. is sacred. And the artwork had you sort of like in a sort of it's also I, like I was sitting on the toilet. <laughs> was that the running joke for a while that you I were looking at with your other friends? People said, yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Could You're you, right, though. It was sacred. Like, I've never heard it explained like that, but it was it was Well, very... because you were so unique and needed. Like, I'll tell you a quick little story. I remember the first time I went into St. John's Wood in the studio and we were listening to a playback of the album. Mm. And I'd, be, I'd been invited in as a writer, which was awesome. So I wasn't there as media. Yeah. So I was part of this. I was in this room. I was like, wow, how did I get in here? This is amazing. Look at all these amazing writers and producers. And you were in there. And, and I was hearing the album for the first time in the lonely hour and I was like I don't even like how has this been made in 2000 and whatever mm. like it, it felt so timeless and oh, it felt so you. out of step at that moment in time when that album was being finished did you feel like it was going to be what it became god no no not at all not at all what were your goals um, with it um my only focus at that time in my life was to to sing and to, to make sure that I could have this as a career. Yeah. You know, I, it, I could just come out of working in the bar and I was just, I was just so like focused on uh, my work ethic and making sure that I was doing everything I possibly could to continue doing this as a career, not having to go back to work. Um, that album is weird. It's weird thinking back to it now. Like I remember feeling exposed on it, which is the, which is something I still feel now. So I'm still I'm very happy with the fact that I've kept that with my music. I was going to say that can be positive in the sense that you know you reach a vulnerable place yeah. that early on in your life and in your career, the ability to be able to push that forward. But also, um, yeah, you were exposed. Millions yeah. and millions of people bought that album, bought yeah. tickets to come and see you, yeah. and with millions of fans comes quite a lot of eyeballs with cameras and things yeah. like that. And so exposures kind of they can go both ways. Oh, totally. And it's it's been mad. Like the last few weeks, I've been doing the chats for this album and the people you know asking me like you you feel so you're so confident you're moving in the, these ways now blah, blah, blah. and I keep having to remind everyone that I always moved in this way yeah. it's just doing it at 20 years old yeah in front of 
20 odd thousand people on stage, you know, moving in that queer way or the feminine way that I do when I dance and stuff like that. It's petrifying and I, I can't, I, don't, I wasn't being disauthentic at any point in my career. I just wasn't feeling safe. I think the suit was too tight. Yeah, 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 totally. It was like a, it was, but in a way, it was beautiful because it protected. That's a metaphor, me. by the way. I mean, yeah. you can take it how you want, but I mean yeah. it. It's like, how could you dance in that thing? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's so true in both ways. It's so true. So they buttoned you up to the to a degree, and you allowed yeah. yourself to be buttoned up to a degree where where, where it was like, okay, all we want is the emotion. Mm. Yes, yes. Give yeah, us, yeah, 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 yeah. allow us to emote. You sing the songs and we'll emote. That's totally. what I, when I look back on those shows now, I'm like, yeah. Sam is really just giving. Yeah, I mean, don't move your hips. Don't, you know, talk about this, that, that, that. Don't break the spell. Yeah, but just like, let's keep the focus on the voice. And in a way, it, it felt like I was being a little bit silenced, I guess, and I was silencing myself. Mm. But at the same time, I look back and I'm really thankful for it because it protected me. It kept the focus on my music. Mm. Um, being out and talking about being gay at 20 years old in press, if I had like free reign to talk about what I wanted to, oh my God, I could have caused some damage. What is the source of the fear? If you can go back to that mm. moment in time when you're like, there's things I would like to say mm. and, and, and conversations I'd like to have, but I can't. What's what's the source of that fear when you're young and you feel that you can't talk I think it was just a lack of experience. And I wanted to talk on things, but I think I had some wonderful adults around me who just wanted my... They wanted to meet me to experience life mm. before talking about it like in front of everyone. I think it was really important. And I think that it went on a bit too long. I think that when I was 25, 26, I was like, I'm really fed up of just having to perform and it always be about the voice because I am a visual creative. I yeah. always have been. Yeah, Even you're a charisma tron, Sam, and everyone who knows you when you walk in the room gets that. So yeah. it was weird watching you in this box on stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because also even like the suit and the quiff and everything, that was that was all stylized. That was created yeah. for me and and from amazing people around me. So it did it did get to a point where I was like, I need to kick this door down. Yeah. And I did and it was a hot mess for a while and now I feel like I've I've got this rhythm and, and I'm harnessing what I want to do. I've got incredible artists around me. I've it's like I'm becoming the artist of my dreams, which is amazing feeling. It's crazy. The hot mess is so beautifully described because I, I actually think it's really important. It's an important part of the process for things to get messy and yeah. you know, for you to find your voice. Yeah, totally especially in pop music because I find pop music like it is messy. Like if we think back to some of the biggest pop people in the world and and, and pop careers, it is messy. Yeah. And and I I think it's important for people to see that. Um, but I just want people to know that what I'm making is authentic and that I'm part of every single. That's never been in it. question though. I don't think. I don't think. In fact, I think if anything, it was almost you were you were too authentic at the start. Do you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, it, that's what totally. I mean by sacred. It was almost like don't don't touch or adjust yeah. this perfect thing yes yeah, it yeah, gives totally. us what we need totally and then you came out oh, i'm gonna break it yeah yeah it's so true it's so true i had to it was always gonna happen it starts in such a tasteful way i mean we know this song love me more and uh you know you you shared that with us because i i think knowing you pretty well that there was a real simplicity and a purity to that that reminded me of the first album but it was like sonically updated and it was that's what it felt like to me it was like yeah. I, i'm not divorcing my old self I've just grown. That's what I took from it. Yeah, and for me, Love Me More was my last uh, offering to my older audience or people that were with me in the past and left to say, come come with me and let's mm. experience something new. Mm. For me, Love Me More is like the end song mm. of that 
So yeah, old art. It reminds like me of that of that era, but yeah. it, but it definitely has. But it's got that kind of like that sort of that Soul Quarians bump, like totally. that thing. It's got that nice totally. Erica Badu, D'Angelo, Q-Tip, mm, totally sub totally. bass thing. I wanted that warmth. I wanted to start the album with like a glow of light. Yeah, uh, because things get slutty. <laughs> 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 I didn't come here to make friends, my friend. <laughs> no, That's definitely not. not. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. <laughs> um, thinking about the journey to this album, I'm thinking about each each album plays a really important role. Mm -hmm. And I, I love it when artists make 5, 10, 15, 20 albums because they all change shape as another one gets made. Yeah. And I think music is kinder to older music that it perhaps got a rough deal at the time. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, I th But, but I want to just spend a couple of minutes talking about Thrill. Yes, yes. I struggle to even look at the cover of Thrill, and I'm not a judgmental mm. person yeah. because you you do you. You, yeah. you you know you live how you want to live, eat what you want to eat, mm. work out, don't work out, whatever. Like be happy is all I care about, and you could tell when someone's happy they're not happy. You just didn't look happy on that cover. Mm -mm. I mean, I was starving. I was hungry. <laughs> I was generally hungry. Yeah, it's a wild thing to look back at some of those pictures and be like, whoa, because people don't. I think people don't realize I'm six foot two. Yeah. Um, I'm a big person, so. Yeah. You're six foot 12 right now. Yeah, I know. It's huge. It's me. incredible. But to, to get myself to like, I was, I got to like 13 stone. Like, I was smaller than Did you think you looked eyes. good? Did you feel good about that? Oh, no, I complete body dysmorphia. I thought it was big. I thought it wow. was, I thought I was overweight, which is quite scary. Yeah. And it was, um, I think it was a reaction to fame. I think it was a control mechanism within my second album because there was a lot of, pressure out around me yeah. on that record and a pressure I put on myself. Um, but also I think I needed to do it because I always needed to get to that weight in a, in a weird way. To see how it felt, to look back on it. Yeah, because I thought that was what was beautiful. Um, so And getting there and being conscious of how ill I was has made me learn so much from it. Mm -hmm. But it is crazy. It is crazy. Also, I remember with that cover actually for Thrill of All, I deliberately chose the one where I looked really sick. Why? <laughs> because I wanted, because the album was, it was meant to be dark. It was meant to feel dark, like it was meant to feel yeah. exhausted. Yeah. Because that's what I was, and that was that was the honest place I was in, and I wasn't uh, worried about sharing that. So I definitely chose the cover that that was true and honest. Was anyone worried? Did anyone in your family or your friends, or I know your friends and your business team are the same? Did anyone take your side at any point and say? We appreciate the journey you've been on and the music is wonderful, but it's just, it's just the move. Well, I think that I was managing to like hold down like a really intense job and tour around the world. So I don't think anyone was too worried. They thought I was okay at times. Mm. Um, but I think what happened, it was, it was after that. It was after, after the halfway through the Thread of It All tour um, when I started to have this conversation about gender and stuff like that, that's when, and my mental health got quite intense, because I have OCD, right? So, Same. So my OCD got really bad, and um, that's when it all started to unravel, and then it unraveled for like two years. And it, and so I was holding it together for a while, but my my family were always, they always checking on me. and You've got a great relationship with your family. Yeah, they're incredible. They're incredible, and they're always watching my mental health and stuff. I identify with that in... in many ways uh, you know it's part of the conversation i've been having throughout my life mm. with increased volume yes yeah, yeah for us yeah. to even be able to acknowledge that now yeah. i mean it's beautiful isn't it's it? wonderful you know and, and as someone who also has ocd yeah i mean i remember when i sort of realized that my ocd and my pure ocd w was kind of at the source of what was 
driving me crazy. Yeah. And for a while, I thought, like, I'm in the wilderness here. Like, yeah. I do not know how to rationalize with my mind. Yeah. It's scary as hell. It's scary as hell. I'm, I'm, I didn't know you had it. I didn't know you had, I had Puro too. And it's like, people don't really understand. Like, it's, you get, I get, you can get into such a dark place. Really dark place, and you immediately separate yourself from the reality of how other people see you. Mm. And all you can see is yourself mm. through the lens of the OCD. Yes. Which is, I'm crazy. I'm, I'm crazy. Why is this happening? Yeah. It took me a lot of years to actually kind of therapy and things like that to sort of figure out that the, the me here mm. that sits here with you is a good dude. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. because my OCD would just be like, nah, man, you're nuts. Yeah. You're nuts. You have disastrous thoughts. You think everything's crashing down around you. People are going to die. It's mm -hmm. just—it's really tough going. And I know a few artists who have been through it, and um, you know, it—it it really can affect your sense of stability in a big way. Yeah, hundred percent. It really can. And I think it's like—I call myself a recovering perfectionist. I feel like that's how I feel. It's like can I get that? Yeah. Thanks. I mean, every day I'm like. It's okay to not be perfect. I've got to, you know, and I, I really do think I would have always had this, but I do think fame and my job has exasperated it. You any sort of closer as you go through life, and I mean, you just do the work naturally, but I don't know whether you also do the work proactively and talk to therapists. Oh yeah, I've got that. I have had therapy for nearly over four years. Yeah, yeah. So I love fab, it. I love it, and, and I know it's, it's not for everybody. I know not everybody can afford it, and, and yeah. it's, it can it can be seen as a luxury. But it, I definitely think if you're going to put time into your body or put time into your lifestyle, you should also put time into your mind. 100%. Are you really sort of closer as you go forward, like where you think this strife for perfectionism, this desire to express yourself, even though really deep down you're really sensitive and vulnerable, mm. what drives that and, and where it actually came from? I think it came from my, just like all of us, our childhood, you know, I, I was, I was an isolated gay kid in a village. I didn't experience certain things growing up. I, I remember like, just with the the bullying in school and stuff, it was it was. I went to places in my head, even in terms of my career, like the idea of being famous or well known or being a successful singer was was where I would go to in my mind. Was it revenge? A little as bit? a fuck you to, yeah. to the boys in school. Yeah. Like it was like that's how I'm going to get my my powerful. my power back, my voice back. It's powerful fuel that. Yeah, it's crazy, and it fueled it fueled it. If like it's how I got here. In, in a way like yeah and um it's so it, it and it, in a way i've i actually still do it sometimes but now i do it in a more healthy way because it's uh, the hope of things is, is is a beautiful thing to curl up into and at the basis of all of it fame was never what i truly curled up into it was music and that's what saved me again in the last three four years and and I just can't believe that music gets to save me again and again and again and again. See, it's music is the good stuff, but but the but the desire yeah. for fame, fame <laughs> is the revenge fuel. Yes, hundred percent. That's like if they can just see me on stage, yeah, they'll know they yeah. kicked the wrong dog. You know, they punched totally. the wrong horse. <laughs> totally. But what I didn't realize is, that, is I, if if I got there and I did that, I didn't realize that. I'd feel even more isolated. So time. what is that about, though? Because you hear this all the time, and I think it's something that people tr struggle to understand who aren't in the arts, who don't have success in the arts. And it's, it's quite a common, you've read it, I've read it, we've mm. seen it in many articles. Oh, the more I got, the emptier I got. It mm. didn't solve anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that about? I think it's attention-seeking. And like, 
just want everyone to look at you and then everyone looks at you and you're like, this is, it felt better when I dreamed about it. <laughs> right, right, right. Because you probably don't even know who you are that they're looking at. Yeah, totally. And then also it's this weird thing where it's like, carry on looking at me. <laughs> you better not look at me because if you don't, I'm going to, I don't know, it's, it's who I am. It's my identity now. Yeah. So it's a very odd thing. I've had to like, I've really had to step away and push against it to get to a place now where I don't, it isn't something I think about anymore. Fame. Yeah. And that word identity is crucial. And you talked about um, making that really fundamental change as to how you see yourself and, and the hope that others will see you that way. Yeah. And um, you did so at a time when I, I think you were very, you are, remain, you remain a very powerful voice in helping change people's perceptions on what it is to be human mm. and these tags and these genres we give the species, yes. ourselves yeah, yeah. as a species. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost yeah. like a living genre, really. Yeah, no, it is, it is. Um, this is the only question I came in prepared in my head with. Go for it, hit me. Um, because I'm really genuinely interested to know how the experience, it's been a few years now, how the experience has been since you've come out as, as you know, neutral and how you found it, what your learnings have been, what you've learned about people, mm -hmm. the good, the challenging, how it's, how it's been and how it's going. So we've got two sides, really. My personal life and then my public life. And in my personal life, it's it's been there's not one negative um my family have a they can communicate with me they always did but they they communicate with me now in an even better way my my love life my has has has, has become better from it i i feel lovable i i feel comfortable in my skin but i i wear what i want want to wear i i truly just joy in abundance has has, has been free expression yeah since changing my pronouns it's it felt like a coming home i wish i knew what it was what the words were when i was in school because i would have i would have identified as that in school and you would afford for it a hundred percent hundred percent because it is who i am and and it's who i've always been um i think all the only negatives in the struggle have been in my public life and my job and just the amount of hate and um shitness that is just that came my way was just exhausting and it was really hard and it's not like this isn't me like sitting at home googling my name and and seeing things of me like this wow, is what me. people hold that thought this is what people have to understand it's really hard to avoid hate yes when you're in the public eye everyone can say don't look for it don't search for it it's people will find a way to tell you we don't like you like yeah. why I would mean, you well, like, it was it's on crazy. the fucking news like it was it was hard not to look but for me I can deal with not Googling myself, not reading comments. That's something I can control. What people don't realize with trans non-binary people in the UK is it's happening in the street. Yeah. Like I'm being abused in the street, verbally, more than I ever have. So that was the hardest part, I think, was being at home in the UK and like having people shouting at me in the street. Across the street? Someone spat at me, like in the street. It's crazy. Yeah. In that particular moment, as someone who gives so much and puts your heart into your music mm -hmm. and shares with people, oh. how do you feel in that moment? Like, how's it? I don't know. I feel. I feel every day when I, people ask me for pictures and like I'm. I'm nice. I'm kind. I'm. I've always been very open and want. I think I'm good in that sense. Like I've. I've really worked hard to please people every day when I'm walking down the street. But I think it's just what I find hard about it is it's like. If that's happening to me, and I'm famous, I'm a pop star. Yeah. 
can you imagine what other kids, like queer kids are feeling? And it's just so sad, like, that we're in 2023 and it's still happening. It's exhausting, and especially in it's England. Exhausting. Especially in England, like, it's been crazy to like be in New York and LA because I feel like I can dress and be myself more in these cities than I can at home. So that's a wild feeling to, because America's a complex place. And it's a wild feeling to like, if I went to the White House the other month and having Biden stand up and say all these things and, and say, talking about trans people and how he sees them, he sees us, you see us. I haven't heard that in my own country. It's from, a beautiful from moment. And it was, it was powerful. Yeah. The only, I don't know, you know, I was going to say there's a, there's a little bit of a, a tinge of sadness to the way the political system is built in this country when statements like that are made, unfortunately, you know, mm. you're just around the corner from potentially in a contra contrasting and alternative of approach, course. Of course. which is destructive. But it's good to hear. Let's stay in that moment. It's so good to Let's hear. Let's just stay in that moment because that, in that moment, somebody with the, with the, on the largest podium with the loudest mic yeah. said one of the most important things. Yeah. And you were there. Yeah, yeah, I was there. I was were you watching pinching it. yourself? It was wild. I was on a video shoot and we got an email that they said, from the White House. It was crazy. <laughs> they know that as well. What I love about the White House is they know it's the biggest mic drop. It's not like, yeah. they could easily do it stealth. It could be from the office of some random yeah. place and it's like, look, this is how we roll. We keep things under wraps. But yeah. no, official stamp, the White House yeah, here in the United States. It was America. crazy. It was crazy. It was beautiful. What did it say? It, it said, President Biden's asking if Sam's free um, to perform. Immediately, my anxiety came over my head. Like, oh my god! Thought the Grammys were scary. Like, how the hell am I going to get through That's that? That's the good stuff, though, right? There. Oh, I can't do it. I, I can't, can't do, do it. it. And you, and you already know you have to do yeah, it. I have to do it. But it was like a, it was like two weeks before we were asked, so it was like quick turnaround, which is good. But crazily, went there, and I didn't have one ounce of nerves. Interesting. It was nuts. I was, I felt so calm. I, I it was like. It was it was really beautiful because I, I I was in that moment I was like do you know what all my therapy all my work yeah. that I've done on myself is paying off like I'm feeling good and I was there with my 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 BVs my singers and all my musicians and all my family my team and we like we shared the moment I had my cute little handbag Kamala said she loves my handbag <laughs> which was really nice. <laughs> Uh, it was a wild feeling having like the guards yeah. announce my name and then walk out the doors. Yeah. It was crazy. And what, are you, what were you staring at? What could you see? I was just, I remember being behind the doors and the pres president was behind us watching it. And then they all left the room to go and watch me from the front. Yeah. And then I, I just stepped out and it was, it was such a beautiful sunny day. And I was like, I'm at the White House. I'm surrounded by the gays and the queers. And we're celebrating some good news. Like, yeah. it feels like it's sad, but it's a, a rare thing um, sometimes within our community. So it was really beautiful yeah. to be able to celebrate that. Did you get some FaceTime with Iceman? Iceman? The President Biden. The President Biden. Yeah, 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 yeah. Iceman, Iceman, I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, I did, I did. I, I got to, like, spend some time with them all four, and they were all lovely. Yeah? Yeah. Kamala said that she played my song at her wedding, which I was very Which one? By. I, she didn't say which song. So hopefully she's telling the truth. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, she was really, really sweet and they were all really lovely and kind. And um, yeah, it was mad. It was That's a mad awesome. experience. I can hear in uh, the room next door. <laughs> just I don't know a if, choir. I don't know if it's getting picked up. Yeah, this amazing <laughs> choir of just incredible singers who have come together to help you bring to life some of these songs for Saturday Night Live this weekend. When this is being filmed, it's SNL this weekend. I can tell you something. Right. So cool. The first performance is Unholy mm. with me and Kim, and I'm in this huge pink dress. 
and I'm going to lift the pink dress up as she's under it, yes, which is going to be sick. Amazing. And then the second performance, I wanted to do my the hymn Gloria that I wrote for the record, mm. which is a wild one because I'm not even I'm hardly singing on it. I yeah. like sing at the end of it, um, but it's a whole choir. And on my tour, the stage is shaped like Aphrodite. It's like the golden Aphrodite, Aphrodite body. And um, that's the shape of the stage. Yeah. And I was like, how can we like bring that vibe to SNL? And um, Sharon Stone is going to be in the middle of the stage at SNL in gold as like a, a, like a piece of life art. And the whole performance is just a choir around her singing Gloria to her in like this golden light. <laughs> Isn't it so sick? Yes. She said yes. I'm like, Was so, she your number one choice? Yeah, yeah. I, we were talking about it. I was like, it has to be Sharon Stone. And I messaged her and she just... Why? Like, yes. What does Sharon Stone mean to you? She's just, just such a powerful woman. But she's a powerful woman and she exudes vulnerability and beauty in, in, a, in a way that to me is, is real. She's one of the most iconic movie stars of the last 50 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so a real movie star, like when they made real movie stars yeah, like yeah. back in the day. Yeah. That's going to be I crazy. Know, it's crazy. It's crazy. You put quite a crew together for this album. Amazing yeah. people, really great people. I mean, people that you've known for a long time, you know, trusted old friends. And some people who have, you know, come into your life in the last few years. I mean, Jessie, don't even get me started. She's oh. one of the most talented writers, an incredible yeah. performer, and just carries herself in such an excellent way. Yeah. I'm not surprised you two are besties. <laughs> I mean, she did She did something for me that was crucial. I mean, it was during Promises with Calvin, um, being in the studio with her. I've only ever written with guys. Yeah. And so being in the studio with her, uh, she showed me a way of, of speaking through song that I hadn't been shown before and, and allowed me to talk about loads of different emotions that, I have, why, that other guys maybe weren't too comfortable talking about. And for that, I'm indebted to her forever. She's incredible. Mm. I also think she's one of the most forceful talents in the industry we have. I agree. Like, I think her writing is makes me think of Winehouse and some of the greatest songwriters ever. I think. She's yeah, incredible. I think I honestly think she's a she's a long term bet. Mm -hmm. Totally. <laughs> I think agree. you look back on it in twenty years time, and what she achieves over a steady and, and really productive, amazing period of time will be the career of a dream. Hundred percent. She's 100%. incredible. Some artists, it takes time, doesn't it, to realize that you've got greatness in your hands like that. It's yeah. Mad. Well, it's funny because I feel like you've, you, you're playing that game now. It happens to you so, you, you played both. It's like, oh, let me sell 20 million albums and now let me get into a place where actually the work is steady and brilliant and amazing. And yeah, then Unholy comes along and you know how to handle it. <laughs> yes. Did you know how to handle it? How did it feel different this time, I'd imagine, to have oh, a song different. that was like such an, A, quick, single driven mm. I mean you've had big songs before but they felt like they were part of the body of work yes yeah and just I don't know you tell me how did it feel I mean in total God's honest truth it was I was exhausted by the time that song came out interesting because I had to push so hard like people that I trusted my whole life in my music didn't even want that song on the album. Wow. You know, they, they was, everyone was petrified of that song. Was there a reason, do you think, that, can, you, can you come up with one fundamental reason why people were unsure about it? You um, said petrified, what were they scared of? Me killing the brand, but I, I, kept, I don't understand what, I am the brand, so like whatever I do is, is on brand. And it's not their fault, I don't, I don't blame anyone for this, but if someone doesn't think something is beautiful, that they don't think it's beautiful. And all I've ever wanted anyone around me to, to be as truthful and honest with yeah, me, yeah. and they were. And they didn't think that 
I was looking beautiful or that it sounded beautiful. I had to trust my instincts because I'm looking at the kids around me nowadays and I'm looking at, you know, I think it's one of the beautiful things about being queer is that I go to queer bars and they're these melting pots of all different people from all different places and you 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 realize how free people are getting, yeah. you know? And a lot of the team that work around me now, they've, they have their families, they they live in their areas and they don't go to bars like they used to and stuff like that. So I do think there was an element where I was just like, you guys, I don't think you get this. I can't grow that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you're understanding where what I'm trying to do. And it was a real pull and tug, like, it was, it, we, we weren't communicating for, for a while. But I also had people telling me from, you know, like quite important people that what I was doing, the way I was living my life was affecting my record sales and that I was trash. The word trash was, was said to me at one point. Oh. And I just, and I had to like, I had to like. How did that person get out of the room alive? <laughs> that is a strong. But, it's, but it is, into, it's, it's, it's homophobia and transphobia that's, that's structural and it's, yeah. it's in people, even the people that are very, loving and liberal and love me they, mm. they say things they don't realize what they're saying is mm. is hurtful and and you know trash in the in the queer community is is kind of something that we all harness in a beautiful yeah. way you know like yeah. yeah the bars are trash yeah because and unholy is beautifully trashy a hundred percent there's nothing for me i think chic classy things nowadays are trashy and that's okay i think it's beautiful i think they always have been to some extent yeah and also you can be both you know, you can, you can, you know, wear these types of things, then also go absolutely wild when you want to. Well, that's what Unholy is. That's why it connected was because it was, it was one of those great moments that was, on the surface, it seemed so overt, but mm. actually it was super subversive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> because totally. all of the, you know, housewives and everyone was like, it's like, oh, it's so subversive. Yeah. It's gotten under yeah. the skin of society. Yeah, um, oh my God. Hearing you say that, it makes my life like... <laughs> Because I daydreamed about that song. I like sat there listening to it by myself in my garden. And like, I've never been so obsessed with music like I was with these, this record and especially Unholy. Yeah. Like I lived inside that song for like two years and just pushed it and pushed it. And I've got so many people that are part of that song mm. and the writing process, they're incredible. But there's one person, it's Ilya, who without him, that song wouldn't be here because he, from day one, even in the studio, when the day that we started writing that song, everyone was like, this is an interlude. Or this is like, this could be on the part two of the record. Or like, or, or even like, this isn't going to be on your record. Yeah. But Ilya just saw something light up in me when we started writing it. And he could see that I loved where we were going. And we started working with each other on that song in, in time that wasn't given to us from the label in terms of writing. Mm -hmm. We'd, I'd be in LA and he'd be like, come in the studio. And we'd just tinker away at things and I change words and move words and add production here and there. And he trusted me all the way through. Smart guy. Even though no one, I, I mean, the, the few, everyone came on board in the last minute, but Max Martin as well was a huge part of it because he, he was behind it and had heard it from Ilya. And he said, this is really exciting. Oh, you need these pop songs to come along once in a while that just, like I said, they. They sort of detonate in the room a bit. Stir like, the peace. Oh, it's to the yeah. peace. Like, oh, what is this? Like, it must be my dream as an artist. Like, that is, I'm, I'll never forget. Like, when I was first described as a crooner, like, I love crooners. Don't get me wrong, it's fabulous. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, it's gonna be a rough I'm few not, years. I'm not a crooner. It's gonna be a rough few I, years. I'm not a crooner. I, yeah. I could, I can be a crooner when I'm in my like Vegas 
Judy Garland mode. Well, I think, <laughs> I, think, I think also, it obviously didn't help is the wrong phrase, but I can't think of anything different to say. It, it didn't assist that predicament that you went straight off in the lonely hour and straight into Bond. Yes, yes. Totally. So you went into the ultimate croon. Totally, totally. I, I, I actually think I, I played that role. Like even with the quiff and the suit, yeah. I, I like dramatized that role. Like yeah. it was, you know, I in the 10 year anniversary of In the Lonely Hour next year, I want to put my suit back on and get my quiff grown and, and, and put the exact same outfit on and play it because I want people to see that it genuinely was a character. No, but you should subvert it just like Unholy did. You should, yeah. you should update Do it. And, weird. Yeah, but, sorry, now I'm just like, now it's just two friends talking. I'm giving my <laughs> mate advice that he won't take. No, I love you that. Should, yeah, I will. Yeah, you I should will, totally, will. don't go back to the original suit. You should totally just be like, oh, the, the guy in the suit is no, no longer a guy. Oh, I love that. And has changed his, totally. the situation completely. I love that. I love that. They idea. now wear the suit very differently to how he yeah. wore the suit. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I will. You can it's update those songs in a really cool way. One of my favorite songs on there is, is a tad more sort of straight down the line, but I think lyrically and thematically it's incredible, which is um, How to Cry. Mm, yes. It's just the, the idea of like, you know, you never learn how to cry. You learn how to be a bad a bad person, but you never learn how to cry. Mm. Um, where were you when, when that concept sort of came to mind and what really inspired that? I mean, after Unholy and rinsing the guy who it's about so hard. <laughs> is there a guy it's about? Yeah, yeah. So it's about someone? Yeah, oh yeah. Wow. Do they know it's about them? Um, I think they do now, yeah. Somehow got around to them. But also, I don't, it's about them, but also there's, they're, yeah, they're not, there's nothing special about them. Jesus, there's so many of them about. Like, it's not about them. It's about, it's about a wider conversation. Can you imagine the anxiety of being the person that a song oh. that's all about keeping the biggest secrets is all about? Oh, but they know, the they're arrogant, they love it. They love they it. They love it. So they, they are literally that textbook narcissist. Yes, yeah, totally, totally. They are, and they're just, wow. and they don't, they're losing, um, they're, they don't have empathy, you know, they're wow. a bit psychopathic, I think. So it's, How to Cry was like the song, I put it directly after Unholy, because yeah. I wanted it to be this moment of, like, even though you're a, a knob and you piss me off and I think you're gross. A knob. In America, <laughs> sorry, knob in Britain is a fucking dickhead, yeah. asshole. Just in case you're wondering, I'm not sure if you guys know what knob means. Sorry, one of the great <laughs> insults to have uh, been exported from the United Kingdom. <laughs> you knob. Knob, yeah. It's up there. Yeah. Plonker. But um, he, as, long as, as much as he is an idiot, I just feel bad for him. Truly, that's what I genuinely That's even feel. worse. But I do. It's no, like, I mean, for him, it's even worse. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know if he'll ever, like, care. It's, it's just, like, you hurt people because you can't love people, yeah. you know? And I think that's what the sentiment of that song is. You know, I, w I want to talk about um, the last song on the record. Yes. Which, yes. Is the, which is the big anticipated collaboration between yourself and Ed Sheeran. He's such a special man. He is such a special man. And we've had a beautiful friendship and music and stuff. Like, I've always felt... It always had to happen organically for yeah, me. Yeah. Um, he sent me that song, the beginnings of it, and I was immediately uncomfortable because I, I don't do that. I, I don't get sent songs and then sing on them unless it's like a collab thing. Someone's yeah. like, um, so it was a bit of an ego moment at first. Like, I just feels weird. Like, if I wanted to do something, I wanted to be in the room and write it yeah. with him from the beginning. But that was all, that was before I heard it. And then I clicked play. And it was just one of those moments. It was like, I can spend my whole two years trying to write all these pop records, right? And I feel like I've done a good job on this album and I wanted to write an amazing pop album and I feel like I've written some amazing pop songs. Um, but Ed 
and Ed's ability to write music. Let's turn a phrase. It's just beautiful. How's he do it's it? It's just so special. How's he do it? It's so special. It's it's um it's one of life's absolute guarantees. Totally. It's uh, it's gorgeous. When you press play on an Ed Sheeran song, even if you don't like Ed mm-hmm. Sheeran, you will come to the end of it and there will be a beautiful natural conclusion and something will have been shared that leads to a learning. Totally. If you allow it. Totally. It's, it's crazy. magical. It's magical and it and it felt it felt so beautiful. On I'd done about nine songs of the record that I was happy with, and I was like, "This is this is how I'm going to end the end the album." Like, I it's something beautiful and generous for me that I love. I love this feeling of I've done what I need to do. Now I'm going to step aside and and have Ed come and help me do this and finish it with me. And and I wrote my verse. I wrote the bridge, and we collaborated on on mm. the whole record. But um, it was a beautiful thing to share with him, and I think that. We both sound super vulnerable. I feel like yeah, the, his voice sounds really, yeah. really vulnerable, and yeah. that's one of the things I was drawn to in the song was just, you know, Ed can do a lot of things vocally. He's got a great rhythm, yeah, and he can definitely hold his notes. But even when he's singing his more emotional songs, he's performing them. I don't feel like he's performing on this song. No, no, it's it's totally him, like raw. Yeah, the message behind the song is so beautiful. It's like, it's just a really classic love song. For everyone. Everyone. And for people who have gone. Yes. Yes. That's the line that really got me as well, is, is even for the people who are no longer here. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm sure there are people who are watching this who have lost someone recently, or not recently, mm. who are struggling to let go. Yeah. And, yeah. and want to stop loving that person in a weird way because yeah. it's too painful. Totally. But it's too powerful, isn't it? You can't get away from it. Can't get away from it. No. How are you now with the idea of loss and leaving things behind now that you're moving in such a powerful new direction and things just feel good? Like, have you come to terms with that, with that idea of like, it's okay? Mm. Oh my God, what, to lose people? Of course. I to mean, lose things, and, but just loss. Totally. I'm, I'm, I'm in a better place for it, for sure. I feel like I, no matter what happens, I have me. And that's a crazy feeling because, and a beautiful feeling that I know that I've got myself and I've, and and I support myself and I, I'm always going to have that no matter what. But I haven't actually been through a lot of grief in my life yet. Mm. I've haven't Does lost... that scare you a bit, the thought of it? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because I haven't... I've, 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 I've only lost grandparents and stuff, which is hard. The natural order of things, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that will be an, an, another a part of the movie that I, I think I'll struggle with for sure. But it's going to happen, isn't it? And we can prepare by talking about it, which I think is beautiful. Yeah. So where does all this momentum go next? On tour, right? On tour, I mean... I saw MSG in the diary when I opened up the internet the other day, and I was like, oh, good to have you back in that room. Yeah, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. The tour's going to be amazing. I mean, I'm putting on a proper theatre pop performance. It's going to be wild. Inspired by who? Um, If you could put it out there. Freddie Mercury, like, slash opera. Mm-hmm. Like operas and and it's going to be wild. Like even like a lot of Bob Fosse has come into it with uh, with Unholy and with a lot yeah. of the music I've been doing. It's like camp Liberace theater, theater, theater. That's what I I want to go for. So I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about the clothes. Um, but I mean, I have my next three albums planned. Like genuinely interesting. Like and and possibly half of them are written. Yeah, I have a very clear aim that I want to bring out probably another four records before I'm 35. Because at 35, I want to go traveling. You're in plan mode. Were the new songs written in the aftermath of the success of Unholy, or have you been doing it simultaneously while you've been making Gloria? Well, there's a, a, there's a whole 
lot of work that was done at the same time. It's quite interesting because of Unholy. Yeah. Um, I've gone back and listened to certain songs. Yeah, how they how do they sound? Well, I think there's quite a lot of music that the team and people didn't really see as being amazing. Because <laughs> now there, was, there was a lot more in that vein. Basically. And now after a platinum single, they're like, that's a great song. That's a, yeah, which which I've I've always known like some of these songs are crazy yeah. good. It's the sex, it's the element of sex. That is honestly what this is. It's like it's I've been desexualized since I was a, I was a young artist. I, it was something that we we didn't go near, because um, uh, it made people uncomfortable, it made made the men uncomfortable in my in my life. So the fact that now that they're getting comfortable with my sexiness, it's just like oh my god, there's so much to play with. You've unleashed a beast. You know, I saw I saw on the internet the other day someone was like Sam Smith obsessed with tattoos. I know tattoo I know. addiction. I know. <laughs> I have got a lot. I How many have, you got? I'm filling up now. It's like over 35. From your perspective, what drives the mentality of collecting tattoos rather than just one? What, what, what like, does it unlock? Well, I got my first. It's quite actually fascinating. I got these when I was like 15, 16. Right. There's the gender, two gender signs. Interesting. I got it because I said I was best of both. That's interesting. So you were looking for the term. Yeah, when I was like 15, you 16, were looking for I the got place. these tattoos. Yeah. yeah. And then now I'm just like, it's like a notebook. What's the, what's the stupidest one you have? I have a slutty strawberry on my thigh. It's a, her name's Sally the Slutty Strawberry, and she's got a bra and knickers, and she's got um, suspenders and heels. And she's just there on my thigh. Why? <laughs> well, I just saw this tattoo artist who made slutty strawberries, and I was like, count me in. I feel like a slutty strawberry. <laughs> What's the most meaningful one? Um, if there is one. Actually, probably my anchor. Mm. On my neck. I got it recently. What inspired that? Because it's the first song I I wrote completely by myself was a song called Little Sailor when I was 18. And that, that's the song that I sent to Elvin and sent to my managers. And then they heard that. And then I got in the studio with Jimmy, wrote Let Me Down, wrote Latch. Wow. Like that song changed my life. And that's why I've called the fans Sailors. That's cool. And the anchor's now become part of my like name and stuff. And so I put it on my throat because that's, that's connected. Like, it's, I'd say it's my most important. All right, little sailor. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, my God. Good to little see Little sailor's you. gross. <laughs> Love you. Love you. Thanks Love for you. another wonderful album. Thanks for still being here. Thank you. Thank you. For I don't think we can ever take it for that. granted, especially when you go through real life stuff. It's yeah. not just about the performing and the music and oh, entertainment and everything else. Around, it's, it? it's about sticking around. Yeah. It's about having the courage to keep going. Totally. Totally. Thank you for helping me with that. Always. The interview series is now up and running. We're back again next week with another conversation. Thanks so much. 